Please stand by. We're about to begin. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the BMC BPPM 9.5 Monitoring Configuration Best Practices Webinar. Just a reminder, today's conference is being recorded. For opening remarks and introductions, I will now turn the call over to Cedric Rawls. Cedric, please go ahead. All right, thank you, uh, Debbie. Uh, so welcome, everyone, to our uh, next session in the series for our BPPM 9.5 release, where we're covering our best practices. Uh, again, today we are covering the uh, monitoring configuration, which I think is a very viable topic and relevant topic for um, all of our uh, customers and field. Uh, I do want to remind everyone that we will be doing Q&A. Uh, the Q&A will be handled in the Q&A window. Should you put something in the chat window, it may or may not be responded to, so all questions you need to, do need to go into the Q&A. Um, as was stated earlier, this will be recorded. We will post the recording, the presentation, uh, as well as any uh, relevant materials that are associated with it onto our BMC community site. Uh, most of you should be familiar with that site already. Uh, if not, you can post that as a question and we will put it out there uh, for you to, to have the proper link. At this time, I will turn it over to Hudson Meeks, who is our presenter today. Uh, take it away, Hudson. Thank you, Cedric, and thank you everybody for joining the webinar or if you're viewing the webinar after it's been recorded. Uh, we certainly appreciate your, your effort in doing that as well. Uh, as Cedric stated, this session is based on or focused on monitoring configuration best practices. We're stating monitoring configuration here because there's many different types of uh, you know, configuration that you can do in the product. For example, other types of configuration would be infrastructure configuration, where you configure the infrastructure of the, the product. Um, there is some discussion on that in this session. But most of that is, is focused on the um, architecture and scalability session that we've already delivered with a lot of complementary information in the product documents as well. So that's overall our topic uh, today. As with all of these previous webinars for best practices, this is primarily focused on what we consider to be more or less first level uh, training or, or basic deployment knowledge. Uh, there are some details in here. Uh, but it's not a whole lot of detail on exactly how to do things. It's more focused on what is the best practice. In other words, when you have an option to do something one way versus another, um, which way is the best way? Which way does BMC recommend? Also, we're going to cover a few tips, and we'll cover some functionality that most of you probably are not familiar with, especially in the area of this import-export utility that we'll talk about for policies in the CMA um, component of BPPM. This is focused on core BPPM components as usual, like, these, like the, this webinar series is primarily focused on. It does not address every single scenario. Um, that's just not possible in these hour and a half sessions that we deliver. Prior knowledge of BPPM components and terms is, is valuable, especially for this session. However, if you don't have prior knowledge, uh, we recommend that you go ahead and continue attending and, and, and watch the webinar and so forth, and then go back and review the previous webinars and become more familiar with the product. So you don't necessarily have to know the product for um, the, the information here to make sense, but it certainly will help um, information, the information make a lot more sense if you do have previous experience with the product. A couple of key, or actually three key points I want to 
uh, address before I get into the content on this specific topic. One of them is there's a lot of things that can be done with, with uh, configuration. So we really can't cover all of the topics um, that are specific to configuration of the product. And as I've already mentioned, we're not going to really go into a lot of detail on infrastructure configuration. Uh, there are some key points in that area that we will address, but, but we won't be covering a lot of that. This is mostly focused, again, on monitoring configuration and especially focused in the area of central management and administration, um, that, that module that is part of BPPM 9.5 and which was first initially introduced with BPPM 9.0, okay? Um, a second point I want to make is that the, the things that you do with configuration, especially with the automation of policies and so forth, is very, very important. And as you'll see multiple times in the, in the session today, there are things that you could do that could get you into trouble that we want to, you know, keep you out of trouble on and so forth. Uh, there are certain actions that you could take in, in handling policies that could cause uh, catastrophic problems. And I'll be pointing those out multiple times to really try to drive those points home. The, the point here is, is that the overall fundamental point is that policies provide an automated way to deploy configuration and change configuration. Um, so it's not like with PCM and previous components where you go in and manually take actions. Once you've set up a policy and you enable it, um, that enabling could impact 500, 1,000, or maybe even 2,000 nodes depending on what the policy is. So you need to be very careful with policies. They're very powerful, and therefore you need to be very careful with them. Um, and then a, a third note is that a lot of what we're going to talk about today is focused on organization. So it's really important that you organize policies and you handle policies in a very organized and planned manner. And we'll be providing a lot of um, uh, references and so forth and, and recommendations in that area. So I just want to make those points very clear up front before we get into the actual content. Here's what our agenda looks like. It's a fairly packed agenda. We're going to go over some quickly, some prerequisites and some navigation information about CMA itself, that's Central Management Administration, if you're not familiar with that module. Um, configuration process workflow is extremely important. There will be some terms and, and um, ideas that I present in the process workflow that will be fleshed out with more detail as we get into the, the following slides. Then we'll dive into the CMA repository and talk about best practices for it. Adding integration services and CMA is a very important topic as well that we'll get into there. We'll hit on global thresholds and what that means and a few best practices around them. Controlling policy application is an extremely important topic. Um, that's probably the most important and impactful topic that you need to get out of this session. Um, so really pay attention. You should pay attention to all these, these topics, but you should really pay close attention to, this, the, to the discussion there, because that's, that's one of the areas where you could get yourself into trouble if you, you don't handle things properly. We'll talk about staging policies, monitoring policies. That section of monitoring policies is mostly focused on the monitoring configuration versus infrastructure configuration. And again, we'll hit on some differences in those, two, those, those areas coming up in some slides here. Um, as we go through the monitoring policy area, we're going to talk about each one of the sections in the product 
that comprise a monitoring policy. So if you're familiar with CMA and, and policy, monitoring policies in CMA, then you'll know that there's a general section that you can configure. There's a filtering section. There's agent and, and server threshold sections that you can configure and whatnot. We'll be going through each one of those session, sections and talking about best practices for them. Um, we'll also hit on timeframes and blackouts. We'll also talk about this new policy import-export utility that allows you to move policies from one CMA instance to another. And we'll provide some best practices on that, obviously, as well. And then we'll wrap up with some general recommendations and tips. Okay, so let's just dive right into it. What are the prerequisites? Well, first of all, you should complete a scalability assessment and complete an implementation architecture design before you ever start configuring the product. Because as you start configuring the product, that's really what you're configuring against is your plan and your design. Decide if agents are going to be policy managed or not policy managed. That's also a very important decision, and we'll have some discussion on details on that coming up here. One of the first things to think about is that there are some cases that um, require the agents to be non-policy managed. So, for example, if you're uh, monitoring I-Series, AS400, OpenVMS, or custom knowledge modules that are not yet 9.5 compliant, then you should not be trying to policy manage them. And you should manage, manage uh, their configuration outside of policies, yet those agents and KMs can still communicate their data into uh, the BPM 9.5 infrastructure. Okay. Some other examples are older operating systems, such as Microsoft Windows 2000, and knowledge modules delivered by BMC that, that may not yet be fully 9.5 compliant. There's a list of the compliant KMs at this URL here. And this, uh, you'll, you'll, be able, you'll get this information in a document that we'll provide later, as well as this, the slides that we will, be, we will be providing. Now, in addition to this, it is possible to manage some KMs on an agent in a non-compliant manner, meaning non-policy compliant manner, and other ones in a compliant manner. We recommend avoiding that if possible. We recommend that you, you delineate the policy versus non-policy managed at the entire agent level if possible, but we recognize that there are some customer environments and some reasons um, to, to diverge from that and to manage things like agent uh, excuse me, to manage things like um, operating system configuration monitoring um, in a policy ma manner and maybe Oracle database monitoring in a non-policy manner. And that it is possible to do that, but we're not going to get into a lot of details in that area. Um, you should install and configure BPPM servers and IS nodes uh, prior to um, starting the configuration, that's quite obvious, but you also should think about not only installing them, but making sure that you've got your high availability configured and things like heap settings and other settings like that that belong to the infrastructure and not specifically monitoring itself. Okay? Also, it's very important that you establish a naming convention for all configurations. So the policies have names. Um, that includes blackout policies as well as monitoring policies and staging policies. Clusters have names. Time frames have names. You need to basically define a naming scheme for all of those different types of configurable objects uh, before you actually start configuring. And we're going to talk about some of these naming scheme ideas coming up. 
Also, you need to, to establish a policy precedence scheme. One policy can override another policy, and that's done by precedence configuration. Precedence is basically a numeric value. We'll talk a lot about that coming up here. Um, but you really need to think about the capabilities and rules around precedence and come up with a precedent scheme as well and document both the precedent scheme and your, your naming schemes before you sit down and actually start entering data into the product. It's very important that you plan before you execute. As, as we've often said in these sessions, uh, a failure to plan is a plan for failure. So definitely plan these things and document them and then follow your plan and obviously, you may have to adjust things along the way, but you really need to make a, a, put a lot of effort up front in the planning and defining these schemes and so forth before you actually start entering data. And that'll help keep you out of trouble. Okay, so before we get into, into some details here, I wanted to go over some basic CMA navigation for those folks who may not be completely familiar with this. And there's actually another reason that I'm going to highlight regarding this topic uh, before we get into the actual uh, meat and data of this. Uh, first of all, in, in CMA, when you log in, you're going to see uh, these sections here that are available, policies, servers, repository general, and global. Okay? So policies include monitoring policies, blackout policies, and staging policies. Staging policies basically assign a data collection integration service node to an agent. So an agent's connecting through a staging integration service. And then from there, they're told where to go in the environment as far as how to connect into a specific integration service node to actually stream data and events up. Okay? Um, so that, that's what policies are all about there. And you, you go into the policy area to configure those guys. Under servers, this is where you'll see integration services and their status, as well as the ability to add integration services uh, to the CMA environment and, and, and ultimately into connected into a BBPM server within the environment. Also, you'll see BBPM servers listed here. So if you're utilizing a central CMA um, instance that has multiple BBPM servers reporting into it, then you'll see those BBPM servers connected in there and you'll see their status. There's also other functions under this area, uh, such as the monitoring of agent status. And these statuses, by the way, are primarily connectivity type statuses. Okay? Um, and then there's also some functions such as the agent query function that's available there, um, flagging an agent as to whether it's policy managed or not. You can turn that, you can toggle that back and forth in this um, services area by just right-clicking on, on the wrench for a particular agent to do that. That's something you need to be very careful about, and I'll talk about that again coming up. You could also delete an agent here. So if you wanted to, to delete an agent from the uh, BBPM environment, meaning the, the infrastructure, that is, meaning the integration service nodes and the BBPM server, you, you could right-click and delete one there. Okay, so the repository, what does it contain? Contains what we call a managed repository. I won't I won't talk about the details on this right now because there's some slides coming up on that. Um, but there's also a deployable package repository as well. And again, we'll talk about the details of that coming up later. You'll also see the ability to to select an integration service and download it. So the installs for integration services and administration and the administration console are available within the repository. So once you install the BBPM server um, along with the repository information, then all of these things are available for you to, to download and install within your environment. 
Um, the general area includes clusters. Clusters are primarily and only for clustering integration service nodes, um, as well as timeframes. Those two items reside under the general area. And then there's global thresholds, and we'll talk about global thresholds. We've got a slide on that coming up as well. Um, that's mainly focused on server side thresholds. In other words, thresholds that reside in the BBPM server and are global to a particular monitor type um, or, or patrol KM application class, if you want to call it that. Okay. So this is very high-level navigation to kind of under, get you to understand you know, where in the product we're talking about as we go into all these different areas here. Um, and, and a few things to think about going forward with this, with CMA navigation, is, is you want to implement in the recommended process order. So there's a recommended process order, workflow order, if you will, uh, for, for doing the configuration. And we're going to go over that in quite a bit of detail here in the next couple of slides. Two configuration data, data categories that you need to think about, okay? These categories are not defined in the product. They're not labels in the product. They are categorizations that, that we basically came up with to discuss these different types of, of configuration. And it's important that you understand this from a navigation perspective because some of these things are configured in uh, monitoring policies and some is not, okay? Um, and, and we're going to have some recommendations on this coming up, so it'll be, it'll be really clear as we get into this. So the first category is what we call BBPM solution infrastructure configuration. Okay? Uh, an example of that would be how a patrol agent or agents are connected to integration services. In other words, what integration services are they connected to um, and, 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 and or what clusters are they connected to. Agent tags has an impact on monitoring, obviously, but that's really more of an infrastructure type of configuration meaning, you know, what policy is the agent going to get, um, how, how, how patrol agents may forward events. Are they forwarding the events to the integration service process, or for some reason have you decided to forward them off to an event management cell, okay, directly? Um, that, that's, that's another example of infrastructure configuration. Uh, patrol agent history retention would be, I would consider that to be more of an infrastructure type configuration. You're configuring the agent itself. It does have an impact on monitoring, obviously, because it's defining how long you're going to store history at the agent, and the agent's doing monitoring, but it's more of a holistic infrastructure type of configuration for the agent, okay? So many of these things are, are settings that are more or less global to the environment, or at least global to a significant number of agents in the environment. Um, and the point in making the, in separating these guys is that, is that you want to separate them, okay? We recommend that you separate them. The other type of, of data configuration is true monitoring configuration. So, for example, what knowledge modules are loaded at an agent for monitoring? Um, data collection and event propagation filtering. You know, which, which uh, parameters send up data, which ones send up events, and so forth. Uh, data collection frequencies, thresholds, those are the kind of core um, configurations that really belong to what we, you know, we want to categorize as monitoring configuration. And the reason for separating these is, is number one, we don't want to mix 
monitoring and infrastructure configuration in the same policy. We recommend that you don't do that. It's not necessarily going to break anything if you do. Um, the reason for separating them is there are two really different types of configuration. One is more administration-oriented for the BBPM infrastructure, and the other is defining your monitoring. Okay, We recommend that you manage these different types of configurations in separate policies and basically organize them that way so that it will be easier for you to manage the environment. Um, another reason for doing this from an ease of use perspective is that um, imagine having to reconfigure the agent history retention setting over and over and over again in every policy across the environment because you've decided that agent history retention is always going to be uh, five days or something like that, okay? Um, or, you know, what, whatever you want to set it to there. It doesn't make sense to have to reset that same configuration over and over and over again and track it over and over and over again in every policy that you deploy out for monitoring. So that's an example of just making life easier on yourself. If you separate these more holistic things out into their own policies, you'll make life easier for yourself. And you'll also have a way of knowing where to go to quickly find and reconfigure and reset these kinds of uh, configurations as needed. Okay, so I mentioned the process workflow. Hopefully you can see this clearly. Um, if not, I'm just going to kind of read through these different steps here. The first step is that you obviously want to install the BBPM server. That's part of the prerequisites. Um, install the integration service nodes. Uh, configure heap and so forth for the integration service nodes and those types of settings for the integration services as well um, and, and the BBPM servers there. Um, then the next step is to configure the IS node on the BBPM server as a staging IS. Always configure the integration service node on the BBPM server as a staging IS. The reason for that is, number one, we don't want to stream any data into that integration service node. All of that data streaming and event uh, uh, streaming and so forth should be processed over on distributed integration service nodes that handle quote-unquote data collection. This helps to protect the BPPM server from performance issues and things like that. Um, it also gives you a logical and common place for the staging integration service nodes to be configured. Okay? After you've done that, go in and add additional integration service nodes that you've installed in the environment into CMA, into the Central Management and Administration module. And if you need additional integration service nodes distributed in the environment for staging, this is also the point in time when you would bring them in and configure them as well. Now, if you're going to use clusters, clusters for integration service nodes, that is, um, then you need to make that decision, and if you're going to use them, this is the point in time where you, where you, when you would configure the clusters. We recommend that you first add the integration service nodes into, the, into CMA and then configure clusters. Okay? After that, you would go about creating staging policies. Now, you could do things in different orders here. There's not, you're not necessarily going to break things if you follow a different order. This, is, this recommended order is primarily to do things in a logical manner that makes sense, that handles dependencies properly, and keeps you on the right track. Okay? Um, next step would be to create patrol deployable packages for test agents. Notice I have the word test in here. 
And also notice that this more or less green section of, of um, steps in the process workflow is primarily for working in a test environment. So you should be doing all these steps that I've discussed so far in a test environment, not in production. Okay? Once you've created your test install packages and so forth, you would deploy them to the patrol agents to be tested. This is for the test managed nodes, not in production. Um, run the package silent installer, validate that the installation was successful, validate that the agents are now connected into CMA. They should automatically connect in, assuming everything's been configured appropriately, including um, staging policies and whatnot. Uh, they should automatically connect in, and you should see them connected to the integration service nodes under the server section in CMA. You would then go about configuring global thresholds in CMA, and then you can go about configuring your monitoring policies. Now, keep in mind, you're still in the test environment, okay? If you're going to leverage blackouts, your next step would be to be make that decision, and if so, if it's true, then you want to create time frames first, because time frames feed blackout policies. Blackout policies are basically dependent on time frames. So then after creating your time frames, you would create blackout policies. Then after you've, you've done all of this work and creating your policies and so forth and time frames, you can start enabling the test policies and testing them in the test environment. And you should test all of them, at least all of the policies that you intend to move to production in, in your next production um, um, you know, phase and, and go live session for production there. So you should test all of them, if, and if they don't pass and validate in, in your test environment, you should go back to the policy creation phase and figure out what's wrong and, and go correct those problems before you move on to the production environment. So once you're happy with everything in test, your next step is to move the validated policies from the test environment to the production environment environment, and you can leverage this export-import utility to do that. And we'll talk again, you know, later on about the export-import utility. In fact, a lot of these topics that, are, that I'm going over here, we're going to go into a lot more detail on them as, as we get into the other slides here. So you, you move your policies over into um, production from test, and then you would deploy the patrol packages to a subset of production machines. Okay, so the packages that you've created, you would, you would you'd deploy them to a, a subset of production machines. You don't need to move the packages out of your test CMA or your test uh, development environment um, into production because what you really just do is, is download those packages out of the repository, and then you can deploy them to the managed nodes wherever you need to in the environment. Okay. Um, run the, the patrol package silent install in production like you did in test. Another very important point that I almost skipped over here, extremely important. The first time you do this in production, let's, let's suppose you've got a thousand uh, Red Hat nodes that you're going to manage, okay? And you've got policies configured for them, and you're just you're working on just the operating system configuration mon and monitoring for that and so forth at this point in time. Um, you should not try to deploy all of uh, the, the deploy those packages to all 1,000 of those agents. And you shouldn't even try to deploy the first one to 100. We would recommend for the first time that you deploy it, 
um, in production, deploy it to only 10 machines or so, just to make sure that you're okay in production before you start deploying it to, you know, groups of hundreds of nodes at a time, okay? All right, so deploy it, run the install package in, in uh, production to install it, validate that the install installation was successful, validate again that you see the agents in production connected into the production CMA environment, and again, that would be under the integration service nodes that you would find in the service, in, in, excuse me, in the, the uh, servers area, okay? And then your next step that I've highlighted in red here is to enable the policies in production. So when you export policies, and I'll hit on this again later, but when you export policies, uh, they're automatically disabled for you. In other words, the data that gets exported is exported in a disabled state so that when you import them, they are disabled, and you have to consciously, manually go enable the policies. We've deliberately designed it that way to add a, a point of protection in the environment. So at this point in time, when you enable policies in production, you're basically going live in production. Okay? This is the point where you switch production on and you're, you're going live. And so after um, having enabled the policies in production, especially the first time you do this for a small number of nodes, okay, then you would validate the collection and so forth in production. Just make sure that everything still looks good in production as it did in the test environment. I think we all know that sometimes you go through a lot of effort to test, do, you know, do your development and testing in a development and test environment. Everything looks good. You deploy it to production. And oh no, there's something that um, that you know you didn't account for, or something that was unknown that causes a problem. This is one of the reasons for when you go to deploy a policy to apply the, the configuration and so forth to only a small number of nodes. The first time you do it, before you start going live with larger numbers of nodes. Okay, so after you've gone through that validation process, then you can start you know adding um, additional nodes into the environment. Um, and so forth as long as it passed validation and you didn't have to resolve any issues. So you go back and run back through this process for multiple groups of nodes in an iterative manner over time until you have the entire environment either installed or upgraded depending on whatever you're doing there. So that is the overall process um, to follow. And if you, I think if you follow these, these steps here in the logical order that we've laid out here, it will help keep you out of trouble and you'll be more successful. Okay, um, some key points on this topic of the configuration process. Definitely plan, understand, and document your process. Okay, leverage the, you know, the, the documentation that we will provide you, which is in the, the form of this PowerPoint, as well as a document that, um, in a PDF format that you can leverage later with even more detail in it. I failed to mention that we're going to provide a document uh, that goes along with this session, just like we have with the other few sessions for 9.5 that goes into even more detail than what I'm providing in the session here. Okay, create tests and, and validate before moving to production. Do not edit in production unless you find a problem in, in production that requires editing. It doesn't make sense to test and, and so forth and build things up in a test environment and then go edit everything in production. Okay, when you enable policies in production, remember that you are going live in production at that point in time. Uh, this basically applies to policy-managed agents. Obviously, it's not going to apply to non-policy-managed agents, 
Backing out before you enable policies in production is relatively easy. Backing out afterwards can be difficult depending on the situation, and we'll hit on this topic again later with some examples. Start a small with a small number of agents, like I've already described. That's very important in production. Um, and, and ultimately, you're trying to avoid any kind of mass unintended data collection into the BPM server that's due to some kind of poor policy configuration or improper policy configuration. Okay. So what about the CMA repository? You know, obviously, before you can start creating configurations and so forth, you need to have your policy. Your, your CMA repository populated. As I stated before, there's a manage repository section in the CMA repository. It contains install packages from BMC. Um, it, it, this basically contains the base repository and the extended repository, which you can download from BMC's electronic product distribution website. You can also import single solutions here as well. Some do's and don'ts with this guy. Do not import base or extended repositories that really belong to older BPM server versions. The only one that would be available is 9.0 because that's the first uh, version that, that had a repository in it along with CMA and so forth. Also, do not do the reverse of that. Do not import the 9.5 base or extended repositories into the BPM 9.0 server. So basically, you want to import the repository version for um, and I've got these reversed. Sorry, the check marks look funny, don't they? Import the repository version for the matching BPM server versions only. You know, don't mix match them into the wrong versions. Now, the, the other major section in the CMA repository that we're going to spend even more time on, a lot more time on, is the deployable package repository. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. Uh, the deployable package repository contains install packages that you create. So these are the silent install packages that you can download, that you create, and that you can download and, and deploy out to manage nodes. Define a standard and provide meaningful names is very important. So for example, um, if, you, if you're going to create a package for basic Red Hat OS monitoring, you should label that package something that means something to you from a technology perspective, like RHEL OS Basic is an example, as you can see here. Okay? So follow, establish a standard like this for all of your, your um, install packages and follow the standard. Create that standard first before you ever start entering any kind of data, just like you should for any of the standards that I'm going to discuss today. Enter complete descriptions in every package. And as you enter descriptions for these packages and other configuration objects in CMA, we recommend that you put the most important information first, in other words, the most impactful information first in the description, uh, so that it's easy to read and understand without having to mouse over the description field. You can just look down the list of, of um, install packages in this example and, and see what's in each one pretty quickly if you, if you follow that strategy. Consider how policies will be assigned to agents very carefully. This is an extremely important topic, and we're going we're to talk about agent, or excuse me, policy um, control of, of policy application to agents coming up here. So it's, it's an extremely important part of this session today, and, and you really need to think about these things carefully and plan and so forth and define, do things like define agent tagging properly and assign tags in the deployable packages that you create. You could actually use different 
capability. There's different capabilities in the product to assign tags. We recommend that you assign the tags manually in the deployable packages that you create. And I've got some examples coming up on that. Okay. Create enough packages to cover the necessary combination of tags that you need. Okay. Um, this may sound excessive, but we can actually copy the install packages. The way you copy them is you basically go to edit them and rename them. And when you rename it and then save it, it's going to create a copy instead of overriding the old one with a new name. Okay. Leverage that ability um, with any new packages that you create. This is going to help reduce work, and it also helps ensure consistency. Okay, so I've talked about this tagging concept. It's very straightforward, but I thought I'd put a few slides in here just to make it really clear what we're talking about. Um, in CMA, you may have, have created a monitoring policy for basic Linux monitoring, like I described earlier, that has a tag in it named RHELOS basic. Okay? And that tag is defined in the monitoring policy's agent criteria. That's a section within the configuration for a monitoring policy that that determines what agents the policy is going to get assigned to. Okay? And then in the deployment packages that we've started talking about here, you will have also defined the exact same tag value, and it is you should treat it as case sensitive. Okay? So it, it also contains the tag named RHELOS basic. And so now you've, you've got this configured and you're ready to go deploy this agent into the or de deploy the agent into the environment by deploying the silent install package. And when you do that, the agent will check in, and CMA will say, oh, this, this agent has the RHELOS basic tag. I need to de deploy the policies that also have that same agent criteria, uh, have a tag in, in its agent criteria to that particular agent. So the, the policy will get deployed to the agent based on that matching tag value. And at that point in time, the agent immediately starts monitoring, um, collecting data, and propagating events and so forth up into the BBPM server. Okay? Now, if you remember the architecture discussion um, and, and best practices, you could have CMA off, installed off on, a, on another box, another BBPM server. So this could be a child BBPM server. So don't get confused by the simplicity of this example architecture here. And another thing to keep in mind is that if you come in here and you go edit this policy after this is his um, instantiated its connection and so forth and is monitoring, those edits will be immediately pushed down to the agent when those edits are saved. So the updates of policies follow the same general process as well. And that's also based on the tagging strategy and so forth. Okay, so that's what we mean by tagging. Um, what are some, some best practices around that? Definitely plan, define, and follow a standard tagging scheme. Uh, I've got an example coming up on that here in a moment. Configure the tags in the deployable install packages. Again, there's other places in the product where, that you could use to manipulate tagging. We generally recommend that you enter your tags in the deployable install packages and manage tagging that way, um, as well as obviously entering the tags into the agent criteria section of the appropriate monitoring policies. So an environment example. Now, now some of you are probably going to look at this and think, oh my gosh, this is a lot, of, a lot of work and so forth. But it really isn't because of the copy feature. 
And, and we put a lot of thought into this process and so forth in an effort to think of the best way to help you manage your environment, reduce the amount of work that you have to do, and avoid confusion. So that's really the overall reason that, I'm, that, that we are recommending this strategy and providing the type of example that you're going to see here. So for this, this particular example environment, let's suppose that we've got Oracle databases running on Red Hat 6.4 that need to be monitored. We've got SQL Server databases running on Windows 2008 that need to be monitored. Apache running on both types of systems. And WebLogic also running on both types of systems. All right? Um, so what would you do? Well, what we'd recommend is that you create these packages. So your, your first package would have would be named Red Hat, or excuse me, Oracle REL. So that that, that package is, is going to handle uh, monitoring the operating system for nodes that have uh, for Red Hat uh, nodes that have Oracle running on them. Okay. The next package name would be SQL um, Win, and and that would handle monitoring of Windows nodes that have SQL Server running on them. Okay. So basically, the, the, this package contains the Linux agent and the Linux operating system knowledge module, and this other package contains the Windows agent and the Windows operating system knowledge module. And it would also contain these particular tag names. The reason for having these multiple tag names is we want you, we recommend that you create a policy for Windows operating system monitoring, okay, separate from a policy that is defined for SQL Server monitoring, okay? Um, and so here's, this is the, ultimately the list of packages that you would create if you follow this methodology. And it may look relatively excessive. I deliberately made it look excessive, okay? You'll notice here that when we look at these last four packages, these packages only have the KMs for Oracle, SQL Server, Apache, and WebLogic in them. The reason for splitting them out and not including them in the packages for the operating systems is it's easy for you to go back and edit these as needed and not get confused between operating system monitoring um, um, packages and Oracle KM-related packages. Okay? You could merge these together. Technically, the solution would support that. We're just recommending that you keep them separated like this to make your administration and management easier and, and easier identification and so forth of, um, you know, where to go to, to go and, and, and reconfigure and edit things over time as you need to, okay? Also, keep in mind that when you create a package that contains the Windows operating system agent and um, um, OSKM in it, you can copy that same package to create the next package that contains the same monitoring technology, meaning the agent and the KMs. You don't have to recreate these over and over again. So you could create this package first that contains that data and so forth, copy it simply by editing and renaming it, and then do nothing more than change the tag names in the um, or, or update and edit the tag names in the copy you've created. So it's not necessarily a whole lot of work to go through this effort, okay? Um, it's, it's really most important that you stay organized and keep things, you know, um, organized according to your plan and so forth. And, and we recognize that you will have certain one-offs, 
So you may have you know, certain machines that need a different kind of uh, configuration for the Windows agent and OS uh, monitoring from a package deployment perspective. That should be somewhat rare. Um, that's more of a monitoring configuration. And you may have to create some additional ones that have additional tags in them to handle the one-offs and so forth. Okay, so that's, that's the whole idea on tagging and keeping things in an organized manner and associating tags in the deployment packages so that they um, are, are logically and properly associated with the, the corresponding monitoring policies and whatnot. A little more about the deployable package repository. repository. Define and follow standards for installation settings as well. So the installation directory, for example, where the agent's going to be landed, agent user ID and password, ports and things like that. Define and follow standards as much as possible across your entire environment there. That will make things a lot easier for you. Use default settings as much as possible. That can actually help speed up analysis and, and communication and so forth with BMC support because now you don't have to go in and tell the, um, the support folks, oh, my agent's really running on 3385 instead of 3181 or something like that if they're, if they're doing some, some troubleshooting and whatnot. So that can help you gain a little bit of time there um, you know, if you're able to do that across most of your environment. We recognize that there will be deviations. Uh, do not specify integration service service configurations for data collection in the deployable packages, you should leverage the staging integration services instead. We know there will be environments where people will deviate from this recommendation, and that's fine if you've got a purpose for doing that, but generally we recommend that you leverage the staging integration services um, to assign the staging integration service configure, excuse me, to, to define the uh, data collection integration service configurations to the agents. Okay, adding integration services in CMA. Uh, fairly important process here. Add all integration service nodes through CMA. In other words, don't go back and try to add them through the admin console. You actually cannot add them through the admin console unless you've done some special configuration to make that happen. Uh, we had some discussion about that in, in, in the upgrade migration uh, best practice previously. Um, so we, we recommend that you add all of them through CMA. Um, provide a meaningful name for integration service nodes. You're probably seeing a pattern here. I keep repeating that you need to provide meaningful names for the, the objects that are, are configured as well as the objects that define configuration. So definitely define naming strategies and so forth and follow that naming strategy as a standard for your implementation. In this case, uh, you may include the domain name as part of the integration service node name. That would be a good strategy there. Also, always, fully, always enter the fully qualified domain name for the IS host. We even put a, a message here in the, the console to prompt you to do that on this screen. Okay? These three settings, the one for connection to the BPM integration server regarding direct access, THCP, IP, um, we recommend that you leverage the default settings there as much as possible, as well as the port number and also the events destination. Now, there is a deviation for events destination. If you are adding a third and or fourth integration service node to a cluster, then we recommend that you specify the cell name 
for the HA cell pair that's already been created for the two nodes that are already in the cluster, meaning, you know, integration service node number one and two there. And we did talk about this in the architecture best practices, so that would be a, a deviation from that, that um, you know, this recommendation here. Generally, we recommend that you do not use this setting right here. If, if you set, if you utilize this setting here, meaning you're going to propagate events directly to the BPM server um, uh, from the, from the um, integration services, uh, you're basically bypassing any lower tier or lower level of processing that you might need to implement in the environment. Um, and there's not a lot of value in doing that. Uh, we generally recommend that you don't just propagate raw events up to the BVPM server and then have the BVPM server do all the processing, such as filtering and, and enhancement, event enhancement, and all those kinds of things. We recommend that you push those down to um, lower tier BVPM servers. Okay. Also, you do have technically the ability to add a new integration service cluster while you are configuring an integration service in CMA. Um, technically, you could do that, but we recommend that you don't. We recommend that you follow the process where you first add all of your integration service nodes into the CMA module in BPPM and then create your clusters after you've added them. Okay, so consider those, those best practices there, and, and we strongly recommend that you follow those. Now, what about clusters? Well, first of all, again, use meaningful names for clusters. Define a standard and follow the standard. Put the most impactful information at the beginning of the cluster name. Okay, so maybe the cluster name also includes, um, maybe the beginning of the name is the domain that the cluster is in. Okay. Uh, in other words, it's the domain that the integration service nodes are in that belong to the cluster. Provide complete and detailed descriptions for clusters. Uh, clusters should be added only after the integration service nodes have been added to CMA. I've already mentioned that. Do not try to add more than four integration service nodes to a cluster. Avoid adding integration service nodes while creating clusters. Okay, kind of keep hitting on that. Um, the recommended order overall, again, is to install integration service nodes, add integration service nodes to CMA, create your clusters, which also includes adding the integration service nodes to the clusters, and then create the staging policies that will connect um, patrol agents to the clusters. Now, uh, staging policies are not, excuse me, staging integration service nodes are not clustered. So if you're not aware of that, be aware that they cannot be included in a cluster. You can create high availability configurations for them if you need to. Um, you could just simply create a, an agent rule that contains the first integration service node and, and then a, with a, followed by a comma and the second integration service node um, in that agent configuration variable that handles that. And that's really all the clustering does as well. The clustering just controls and manipulates that particular patrol agent configuration variable that tells the agent which integration service nodes it can connect to. Also, if you're not already aware, and I think we mentioned this in the architecture documents and, and discussion, but I'll, I'll hit it on it again here. Clusters today provide high availability only. They're not providing any kind of automated load balancing. However, you can use load balancers, third-party load balancers, between patrol agents 
and the integration service nodes. And if you choose to do that, there's really not a need to create clusters in the product as well. So we would recommend that you don't you know, worry yourself about creating clusters if you're leveraging load balancers instead in, in your environment. Okay, so a few points on global thresholds. Global thresholds apply in the BPM servers, not on patrol agents, okay? So in other words, those thresholds, their configuration, the data for them resides within the BPPM server and not on the patrol agents. They are not deployed to the patrol agents. The patrol agents do not act upon them, okay? Instead, the BPPM server acts upon patrol data and or other data that's been collected into the server um, against these global thresholds. Um, you should enter global thresholds for KPIs and performance parameters. Okay. Um, it doesn't make sense to enter global thresholds for availability parameters. We'll talk about that here in a, in a few slides coming up. Um, and you should also enter the global thresholds before you create monitoring policies. Now, there's not really anything wrong. It's not going to necessarily break anything um, if you go in a reverse order there. But again, we, we recommend that you follow the process and the order. And the reasoning here is you define global thresholds first and then your server thresholds and or agent thresholds in the, well, actually it should be, it's just the server thresholds in the monitoring policies, um, those override your global thresholds. So it, it really makes more logical sense to create the global first and then do your one-off thresholding in the server threshold portion of the monitoring policies. Okay, so a very important topic, controlling policy applications. The configuration for this is in, quote, unquote, in different sections of the monitoring policies as well as um, your staging policies and so forth. But I wanted to group this from a, a, you know, content and process perspective versus the uh, organization within the product, okay, because it's so very important. Agent criteria. There's multiple types of agent criteria that you can specify within a monitoring policy. And again, agent criteria is a section of data that you configure within a monitoring policy. There's different ways you could do this. The primary options that we recommend for you know, controlling what policies get applied to which agents, first is the tagging, as we've already discussed. Agent host OS type is another option. So an example there would be, let's suppose you're doing nothing more than operating system monitoring. Maybe you've got a service that you're delivering to your end customers uh, for just operating system monitoring, okay? And, and it's, a very, it's relatively basic. You don't necessarily need to tag for that. So you could create a, uh, in your agent uh, criteria for your policies, you could just specify the agent OS type is Windows or Linux or Unix or whatever it may be, and that may be enough to accurately associate the policies with the right managed nodes. Okay, that would apply to that scenario quite well. But if if you're more have a more complicated and more holistic monitoring strategy across heterogeneous environments that include applications and databases and all that kind of stuff then you're most likely going to have to leverage tagging as well. In fact, you ultimately will need to leverage tags. And that's why we spent so much time already talking about tags. You could also leverage host names. However, keep in mind that host names 
could become quite arduous to manage. So think about uh, configuring agent selection criteria based on host names where you've got 500 nodes that need to receive the same configuration. Do you want to manage entering 500 node names into um, your agent selection criteria? Well, probably not. So you may not use it under that scenario unless those node names contain specific data that identifies what needs to be managed and monitored on the managed node. So maybe an exchange server, maybe, maybe you've got a standard in your environment where all exchange servers start off with um, EXCG or win EXCG, and that identifies what's running on that node. You could certainly leverage content from host names instead of having to leverage tags and manage tags and so forth to get the, the policies assigned to the right agents. Okay, so you've got to think about you know, what is your environment like and so forth in planning the strategy around tagging and the strategy around how you're going to control policy applications. Okay? You may have certain you know, um, configurations or standards in your environment that you can leverage like I just described. If you don't for host names, you don't do something like that for host names. So, for example, maybe your host names are just colors, red, green, yellow, brown, whatever, and they don't designate any kind of um, information regarding what's on those host names, then, then you can't use host names in your tagging strategy, or excuse me, in, in your application uh, policy, um, uh, controlling policy application strategy. Um, it, it, it just wouldn't work for you there, obviously. Okay. Um, agent IP addresses is another thing to consider there. So if you group certain uh, nodes according to IP address based on the kind of uh, technology that is on those nodes, um, you could certainly leverage that as well. But again, you've got to, got to leverage some kind of standard there that you may have implemented in your environment, irrespective of the monitoring tool. BPPM server, in other words, what BPPM server is the um, agent supposed to connect into or has it connected into, and the integration service host as well can be leveraged there. The primary purposes for those guys is controlling policy application across multiple BPPM servers. Now this assumes the BPPM servers share a common CMA instance. And we talked about this and gave an example of this in a little bit more detail in the um, architecture and scalability best practices. Okay, so go review that if you haven't already reviewed that. Use the following agent criteria options in the policies. Okay, so that would be uh, the BPPM server and or the integration service host um, you can leverage that information to, to um, assign the appropriate policies and so forth um, under those conditions, especially when you're thinking about dev, test, and production all reporting in and, and being controlled by the same CMA instance. You really need to do that. Okay? Another very important aspect of controlling policy application is this patrol agent rule that flags the agent and says that, hey, you're either policy managed or you're not policy managed. So this is the exact name of the rule here. And um, by default, all 9.5 agents are quote unquote policy managed. So if you want to make it not policy managed, you have to toggle this, this value. Um, and that can be done through the GUI as well as controlling it through um, uh, the application of rules. If it is set to false, the agent will not, excuse me, if it's set to false, the agent will be policy managed, okay? If it is set to true, 
It will not be policy managed. So this is a deny flag, basically. You're either going to deny or allow the, the, the agent to be policy managed. If the agent is policy managed, you need to keep in mind that non-policy rules that conflict with policy-based rules will be ignored. So there are non-policy-based rules. What are those? Those non-policy-based rules are um, old rule configurations from uh, 9.0, for example, or even older, um, older patrol agents um, that don't have the policy or don't have the config data, data predicate at the beginning of the rule. Okay, so if you have have one rule that, that sets a value for the same, ultimately the same um, configuration, and one of these rules is a non-policy-based rule and the other one is a policy-based rule, and the agent is policy-managed, well, the, the policy management is going to win, and that, that's a good thing. That's what you want. Um, decide if agents will be primarily policy-configured or not. So again, you should you should try to make that decision at the agent level. Um, and then also agents that cannot be, remember that agents that cannot be policy managed should have this value set to false, all right? So um, this would include older patrol agents that are not 9.5 compliant, KMs that are not yet um, 9.5 compliant as well, have, have to, to um, ha be handled that way accordingly as well. Okay? So if, if all the KMs on the agent, you're running a 9.5 agent, okay, and all the KMs on it are not 9.5 compliant, then that agent should not be policy managed is what we're getting at here, okay? Here's an extremely important point. Do not toggle this setting in production, okay? I'll repeat that again. Do not toggle this setting in production. The reasoning is, is it, it could, depending on the situation, it could result in massive unintended data collection. An example would be you've configured a policy um, that says you want to monitor five Windows services on all of your Windows machines. And that's all you want to monitor from a service perspective. And you're, you've got that policy configured so that um, it's only monitoring the Windows stat, service status. And those uh, service status values are only being sent up when, you, when there's an event. You're not trending the, the status for Windows services, okay? Um, so you're, you're running along, you're doing fine with that, and then you decide, well, I, I'm going to stop making this agent policy managed. Depending on what other configuration may be stored in the agent configuration based on having potentially upgraded the agent or done something else with that agent, okay, there may be other settings, older non-policy-based settings configured for that agent. If you toggle it and you've got the default settings from 9.5 as an excuse me, from 9.0 um, that came from an upgrade configured in that agent, when you toggle that guy, it's going to stop being policy managed, and that means it's going to start monitoring according to the old configuration, which means it's going to go out and discover all the all the, the Windows services start monitoring them and sending the and, and trending the data for status up into the BPPM server. Okay, now imagine doing that for a thousand nodes. That could be a huge amount of data that's suddenly being collected and streamed up to the BPPM server. And if you do something like that, you're going to probably call us and tell us uh, it's not working, BPPM crashed or it's broken or it's, 
it seems to be hung or whatever, and then we're going to look at it and say, uh, looks like you filled up your database, and um, then we're going to have to go clean it all up. So do not toggle this setting in production. Make sure that you know what you're doing. You, you could have unintended consequences if you're not 100% sure of what you're doing, and you should really manage this kind of thing in um, development and test environments to understand the differences between policy versus non-policy-based monitoring and things like that. Uh, allow large do domain collection like vSphere Discovery to complete before reviewing in the BPM console. The reason for this is it takes a little while for the hierarchy to be built. Okay, uh, So don't think that there's something wrong until that's completely that process is completed. Also, enable different policies in a controlled manner. Don't just go enable monitoring for vSphere and enable um, all my monitoring also immediately afterwards within seconds for uh, monitoring all my Oracle databases or whatever it is you're doing. Enable them in a controlled manner and observe the results. Do not enable policies until they've been tested and validated in development and test environments. Do not mix policy-based and non-policy-based configuration for one knowledge module um, application class. I actually have this wording a little bit wrong here. Um, you don't want to mix it for different um, knowledge modules or application classes. We also refer to those as monitor types. The point here is, and again, I need to correct this bullet. The point here is you, what you should be doing is um, setting up policies for monitoring Windows operating systems, as an example, separate from the monitoring for SQL Server database and, and databases and so forth. Okay, policy precedence is also a very important aspect of policy uh, application control. Okay, so we need to talk somewhat, uh, quite a bit about policy precedence here. And, and you need to understand how precedence works if you don't already understand, it, understand that. A lower precedence number indicates a higher precedence. So number one will override number five. You know, think about someone being the number one winner of a contest. They overrode everyone else. Okay, so the lower number has ultimately a higher precedence, although the number itself is lower. Precedence evaluation and conflict resolution is applied at the application class and monitor type level. Okay, so the evaluation is not limited to the entire policy. So if two policies um, have completely different KMs, they, they define the monitoring for two completely different knowledge modules, there's not going to be any conflict between those policies at a precedence level. And precedence, um, we, you know, just will, will not play a part there. Configuration settings within multiple policies that do not conflict are not overridden. Okay, so that, that's just another way of saying what I just stated. If the precedence number between two different policies is the same, then the policy that was created first will override the second policy that was created later. And that's assuming there's conflicts between the policies. And really you should avoid having policies that have exactly the same presence numbers and contain the same monitoring configuration. That just doesn't make sense. Okay? But if you do that, what will happen is the one created earlier will override, um, I'm sorry, I've got this, I'm stating it in reverse order. 
the one that was that was created most recent overrides the one that was created earlier. So the most recently created policy under the scenario will override the older policy. Precedence is not evaluated at the monitored instance level. There's not a way of doing that today, so be aware of that. When you set up, set up precedence, and precedence again is defined in the agent, or excuse me, it's defined in the general section of the monitoring policies, okay? When you set up precedence, you need to follow a precedence scheme. This is a recommended scheme. It's really just an example. You don't have to follow this exact, you know, uh, scheme and, and number ranging and so forth. But the range here is the precedence values. So do something like um, define, you know, 1 through 10 for staging policies and allocate 11 through 99 for blackout policies, okay? Allocate, oh, um, 250 through 259 for exchange uh, monitoring configuration-related policies. I'm not going to read all these off. It'd just be a waste of time, but you get the idea here. You, you should define a precedence numbering scheme like this and follow that scheme, follow your plan. This will help you not only identify um, policies more easily, but it will also help you keep precedence in order and keep track of what precedents might override other precedences and things like that, okay? And also notice here that most of the, these uh, monitored technology items are monitored technology items. So, for example, Linux operating system versus Windows operating system. But then there's also precedents associated with staging policies if you needed to use that, as well as blackout policies. Okay, so there, there's some, you know, these... these you, Keep in mind that you need, you need to organize um, according to a, a, a meaningful standard and document that standard before you start setting up policies and entering precedence values. And then follow your plan. You may also, um, when, when you create this, you may also want to create some gaps um, in, in the numbering scheme so that you could insert other in other additional, um, you know, instances and so forth later if you, if you need to for things like one-offs and stuff like that. So, for example, I, I put an example here currently not used for 390 through 399. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about staging policies. Use staging policies to assign agents to data collection integration service nodes. Avoid using the agent configuration settings and monitoring policies to control integration service nodes. Uh, configuration for the agents. Um, a staging policy should always assign patrol agents to an integration service that processes performance data and events. And leverage the ability to control which agent staging policies are assigned to based on BVM server instances and or tags. We've already talked about those things, but I thought I would hit on them kind of again here. Note the following regarding staging policies. The, the staging policies and staging services will not activate any monitoring all they do is apply the integration service value to the agent so that the agent ultimately knows who its home integration service node is for, for sending up data and events, okay? Um, and, and ultimately, agents will not forward that data until um, after it's, it is connected to the staging integration service node and received that information 
for the integration service that it's ultimately going to, going to connect into and then goes and connects to that integration service. So none of that data gets streamed up. No events and no performance data is streamed up through any staging integration service mode. Now we need to talk about monitoring policies. Some general information here. Plan, define, and use a standard naming scheme. So here's an example of that. Win Basic OS, Red Hat, Basic OS, and so forth. Documents like this, define and document your plan before you, in a, before you start implementation and in, in, in entering configuration data. Enter complete descriptions in every policy description field. Policies should be disabled until they have been tested and validated for production. Okay? The default configuration for policies is disabled. Follow the precedent scheme and, uh, and observe all precedence rules as well as you're creating monitoring policies. This general information is the first section that you would configure under a monitoring policy. And we're going to go through each one of those sections pretty quickly here. Okay? Um, the monitoring configuration, configure monitoring policies to define which, which knowledge modules and, and um, applications will be activated on the agent. This is basically what they do, as you may or may not know. Agent um, resident thresholds, in other words, thresholds that reside on the patrol agent or are acted upon by the patrol agent. Service, uh, service re <coughs> server residents. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mis I, I mistyped this here. Server residence instance thresholds also reside. Um, they don't reside at the agent. They, they reside on the server. So there are server thresholds that you create in the monitoring policies that reside at the BBPM server, and that's what I'm getting here. The word service is incorrect there. Patrol application class or monitoring type um, polling frequencies is also configured in monitoring in the monitoring policies. There's other things that are configured that could be technically configured under the monitoring policies, uh, such as uh, um, agent history retention and things like that. We've already recommended that you segregate those out into different, um, different policies. So I'm, I'm really focusing on the true monitoring configuration types of things that you would configure in the monitoring policies. Okay? So for example, for monitoring Windows operating systems versus um, um, Oracle monitoring and, and things like that. By default, an agent will monitor nothing and no data will be sent to the BPM server from the agent until it receives a policy. This assumes the following. The agent is version 9.5 and the policy managed setting is, uh, has not been set to true. It, it's, um, it, in other words, it's not denied policy management. It's going to be policy managed. Enter monitoring configuration for one type of managed technology per policy. So, for example, Windows operating systems should have a separate policy compared to policies for uh, monitoring of SQL Server databases and whatnot. Okay, a couple of navigation tips here. Um, first of all, when you go to add all add instances. To a monitoring policy, we recommend that you add all of the instances to the list before you click on the Add List button for the host configuration. So you've got Add to List here where you've already entered a service name. You don't see a service name entered here, but you would have entered a service name here, and then you would click Add to List, and you keep running through that process for the instances that you want to monitor 
before you click this Add to List button down here. Okay, This Add to List button down here will add the host name, whatever it is up here, to this list. The purpose for this host name may be a little bit confusing for some people here. So the purpose for the host name here is to provide um, a designation for, for um, in configuration for remote monitoring, okay? And, and that is supported within the same policy configuration, whether it's remote monitoring or not remote monitoring that you're setting up here, okay? If you don't do this, the result may be confusing, okay? So confusing in the sense that you've clicked Add down here, then you come back up here and start adding some more instances, and then when you finally add all of your final changes down here, they won't all appear. All the instances that you intended to add will not actually be added to the policy. But if you follow this process as I'm describing here, you won't run into that problem. Another tip that's similar here, when you go to edit a list of existing instances for a policy that you've already created, you need to select the host configuration down here first. And then you can go in and, and select the instances that you've added um, and edit them and so forth. If you don't do that, then your changes basically won't be saved. Okay, so monitoring policy is continuing on with the filtering section here. Send events only for availability type parameters. So service status, window service status is an example. Process status, log file errors that you're scraping for, collector status, you know, any status parameter, any kind of Boolean parameter, up or down, those ultimately should be sent sending events only up to the BBPM server. There's no sense in trending, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. What you really want is the event when it goes down or the event when a particular error is found in a log file. Send data only for important performance parameters. Uh, that would be KPI parameters, parameters required in BPPM performance reporting. You may have some parameters that are not really KPIs, but you want to report on them out of BPPM performance reporting. Um, if, if that's your need, then that parameter needs to be populated up into the BPPM server from a performance trending perspective. Okay. Any parameters that you want to set up some kind of duration threshold. Duration meaning it's in a, if it's in alarm for 10 minutes, I want, if it's outside a particular state for 10 minutes, I want an alarm, okay? Patrol doesn't actually support that. It, Patrol does support this in time capability that's sort of like duration, but it's not truly a duration. And if you require true duration type thresholds, then the trending of that parameter needs to be um, uh, sent up into the BBPM server. Parameters requiring time of day type thresholds, that's ultimately supported by the baselining capability in BBPM. So if you're needing that kind of, of um, monitoring for a particular parameter, then it would need to be trended in the BBPM server. Um, parameters where predictive alarming and abnormality detection is needed, this would be primarily KPIs. Okay. Another point on um, the the time of, uh, excuse me, on the duration type thresholds, um, we recommend that you do not propagate status type events and, and trended data for status up into the BPM server because 
the status events, when something goes into alarm, um, there will be a closing event, for most of these at least, there will be a closing event that comes along that says, okay, it's in an okay state, and the closing event will take it out of alarm. If you're concerned about doing, taking some kind of action, maybe cutting a ticket or generating a notification, if a service has been down for 10 minutes and not doing that, um, not sending that, that notification or cutting that ticket until it's been down for 10 minutes, you can accomplish that through event management rather than trending the data up into the BPPM server. Uh, recommending that you, you know, reduce the trending up in the BPPM server to only per performance parameters that really require trending. Do not send both trended performance data and events for the same parameter to the BPPM server. That would not make any sense. Um, if you filter a parameter after it has been streamed, you will not be able to see data from patrol for the parameter. So in other words, parameters can have data streamed to the BBPM server, or you can visualize the data from within the BBPM GUI on a demand basis from the patrol agent. You can do one or the other, okay? Um, if you've already streamed the data into the BBPM server for a parameter, and then you go in and filter that parameter out, which what it should do is allow you to see the data from the, from the agent, even though it's not streamed to the BBPM server, um, you actually won't be able to. There's, there are some scenarios where you will be able to see it. The basic scenario is if the parameter is um, the only parameter in the application class, then you would see it from the patrol perspective, um, and, and, and also if all of the parameters in the application class have been filtered out, then you would be able to see them from an on-demand um, on perspective from the patrol agent, okay? But generally, what, what happens in most environments is there's, there may be a few parameters that you filter out and other parameters in the same application class that you stream, and under that scenario, if you set up streaming first for all of them and then filtered some out, you won't be able to see the ones that you filtered out. So the way you get around this is filter first if you're not sure, and then you can always turn on streaming later for parameters. And by turning on streaming, you just remove the filtering for the parameter that you don't want, that you no longer want filtered. And if you, if you follow that strategy, you will not run into this problem. We do have a fix coming for this, by the way. Okay, what about agent thresholds? Set agent thresholds for availability and Boolean type parameters. I've already hit on that pretty hard, so this is kind of a summary. Define agent threshold settings and policies that also contain monitoring configuration for the same monitor types so that all settings specific to a monitor type are configured in the same policy. The solution, the product, it allows you to not do that. Uh, we, we recommend that you keep things grouped together appropriately and, and keep like for like defined and configured in each individual monitoring policy. Do not set agent thresholds for performance-oriented KPI parameters or any other parameters that we have, uh, that, that will have trended data in the BVM server database, okay? So again, don't set agent thresholds for performance-oriented KPIs and so forth. Also, do not mix threshold settings for parameters that are also not, that are not also configured for the same monitoring types and policies. So monitoring policies also allow you to define server-side thresholds. In other words, thresholds that are, 
that reside within the BCM server and are, and are acted upon there. Examples of parameters for configuring these guys would be URL response times, CPU utilizations. These are all just basically KPIs, and these are just examples. So that's, that's what you want to configure in your server thresholds. It also should be, these are also applicable to instance level thresholding. Global level thresholding is not configured in monitoring policies. You should configure that in the global threshold area. Define server threshold settings and policies also so that they're grouped together with like for like as we've already described. And do not set server thresholds for availability or Boolean oriented parameters or any other parameters that will have eight have events generated for them by the patrol agent. There's no sense in having an agent generate the event and the BVPM server generate an event for the same parameter. That, that doesn't make sense and it just creates confusion. Okay, so there's also agent configuration that you can define within monitoring policies that you can technically define there. Um, you really should configure these settings that I've got highlighted in red or circled in red here separate from policies that contain monitoring configuration. So again, when I talk about monitoring configuration, I'm talking about what KM is going to be loaded, what instances are monitored, what are my uh, thresholds for, for those um, parameters and so forth in those instances, um, what are my polling frequencies, things like that. Okay, Those all belong to true monitoring. This is more like infrastructure type configuration. So recommend that you, that you create separate policies uh, from the quote-unquote true monitoring policies to manage these types of, of settings, okay? And also we've talked a lot about tagging. We'd recommend that you don't put tags, uh, manage tags in this uh, area of configuration for the BVPM CMA module. And instead, leverage the uh, deployment packages and um, the agent selection criteria and so forth in the policies. That's where you put your tags and don't put them in here. The same applies to integration services. Strongly recommend that you don't leverage this ability here. Just, you know, stay out of this area. It's not going to really break anything. The, the, the issue is, is you can become very confused if you don't keep things organized. Okay, reduce polling frequencies if higher frequencies are not needed. Many patrol agents have a, a one-minute polling interval, um, and if you don't need that, it's a good idea to go in and reduce those polling frequencies. Polling frequencies are configured at an application class or monitor type level. Okay? Also, keep your polling frequency configurations in the same policies that apply to the, so that they apply to the same application classes that the mon other monitoring configuration is configured for in the policy. So again, like for like. Do not define tags under agent um, configuration, and again, don't define the integration service configuration settings under agent configuration. Okay. There's also this server configuration section in, in the monitoring policies, and some, some do's and don'ts here. Do not use the automated group function creation excessively. Okay. So, you can actually create, if basically what happens here is if you put a group in here and that group doesn't already exist, it will get created when the agent checks in, okay? We recommend you don't use that feature excessively. Instead, plan your groups, create your groups, 
external from this process and then have agents assigned to the groups as part of your, your monitoring policies and so forth um, accordingly. You could leverage this on a limited basis. The, the whole reason here is you want to avoid creating excessive and unnecessary quantities of groups. Very large numbers of groups can cause performance issues in the BBPM server, and there's really not any use cases to have extremely large numbers of groups. Plan the groups you need and appropriate and configure accordingly. Okay? Also, there's this copy baseline feature here, which is very handy, but it's only usable in certain scenarios. It doesn't make sense to copy the baseline from an existing device to um, a new device where the new device is really a completely different monitored technology and so forth compared to the, to the older device. Okay? So the, a good example that makes sense is let's suppose you have um, an Apache web farm or a group of Apache servers that all support exactly the same application. They run behind a load balancer. They run on the same operating system. They're all configured exactly the same way. They're just um, multiple servers to support um, to, to, to support load and so forth and, and high availability, okay, running behind the load balancer. And you, you determine that you need to deploy a new one in order to support additional load. Okay? That's a good scenario that makes sense to copy baseline. So when you, when you deploy the new agent um, to, the new, to the new server, then copying baselines is a good thing because that new server can immediately start off with the, the trusted baselines that have been collected and, and calculated and so forth from the existing servers. Okay, so configuration variables is the last section in the monitoring policies. This is where you can manually define patrol agent configuration variables and even import them from PCM or Patrol Configuration Manager if you, you desire. Um, here's the best practices on these guys. If there is a policy setting available for a configuration, use the policy, and this assumes either you've decided to make the agent policy-based, okay, um, or policy-managed, and, and avoid importing old configuration from PCM where it is not needed, okay? Um, do not try to manually convert policy data from the old format or from PCM to the new format. Also, do not try to import large volumes of rules from PCM. That will fail. There's a limitation to, and, and I don't know off the top of my head right away what the, the exact limitation is, but ultimately it, it, you will have a problem with that. And then secondly, even more importantly, there's really not a need to do that. If you're trying to import um, all the policies for monitoring Windows operating systems from PCM into uh, CMA, you're, you're really making a fundamental mistake. What you should be doing there is leveraging the policy configuration and not importing your old configurations. Also, be aware that the preloaded knowledge module list is automatically populated with the knowledge modules that you create for policies. This is assuming you're policy-based and so forth. Um, so if you've got a scenario where some some uh, configuration for the KMs on, on an agent are policy-based and others are not, then you need to manually manage the preloaded KM list. And, and you need to make sure that you, you, that you preload all KMs that you want to load up and, and that are going to be doing monitoring. Timeframes, a few points on timeframes. And I realize we're starting to go over here, but we won't go, won't go over time too far. 
Avoid creating overlapping time frames. That, that just doesn't make sense. Do not create unnecessary time frames that will not be used. So if you're not going to use a 24 by 7 time frame, it, it just really doesn't make sense to have it in the system. It won't necessarily break anything, but why put something in there that doesn't make, that isn't going to be used, okay, and that doesn't make sense, and that secondly could accidentally get used, like a 24 by 7 time frame, where somebody accidentally picks it for a blackout instead of the appropriate ones for a blackout, and then things get blacked out and you don't know why until you go look at the system and try to figure it out. So, you know, just don't create things that are unnecessary like that. Um, also establish a meaningful standard for naming timeframes, like I've talked about previously for all of these um, objects of configuration. Provide a complete description for the timeframes as well. Be very, very, you know, adamant about that and, and follow a metho methodology on all those. Some tips on timeframes, one specific tip in, in particular. There's not a lot of complexity to timeframes. They're relatively straightforward. So there's one really, you know, tip that you need to be aware of here. Timeframes that need to span midnight will require the duration setting. So you could pick duration here, or you could pick an end time, a start and an end time. Okay. Um, the, the situation with policies that span midnight is, uh, and basically a policy that spans midnight, a good example here is, let's suppose, suppose the time frame starts at Saturday at 6 p.m. and is going to run all the way through till Sunday, 12 hours later at 6 a.m., okay? If you don't pick duration here and instead you specify Sunday at 6 a.m. as an example, okay, then... Um, it's not going to work, and you're going to have problems with that. Okay, so you basically need to, to reverse your thinking or kind of flip your thinking around for this type of scenario and leverage the duration capability instead of a start and end time for them. Okay, so a few points on blackouts. Establish a standard, provide meaningful blackout names for, for blackout policies. Uh, provide a complete description, just like we've talked about for the other items. Follow the recommendations for precedence values as well. Okay? You may have certain blackout situations that make sense for you to set up precedence on. So don't forget that precedence applies to blackouts as well as monitoring policies and can be leveraged accordingly. Avoid, avoiding, avoid creating time frames as part of the blackout policy creation process. You technically could do that if you remember the new button when you, are, when you are adding an integration service node to CMA, you could click new to uh, create a cluster. Okay, you've got the same type of capability when adding blackouts. You could click new to create a time frame. Generally, we recommend that you don't do that. It's not gonna break the product. It's not gonna cause a problem from a, a product perspective. Um, it's just that we're recommending you do things in a very organized and methodical manner um, so create your time frames first and then create the blackout policies afterwards because the blackout policies are dependent on the time frames. And one reason for doing that is you can readily see, you know, all the time frames easily and understand their descriptions and that kind of stuff when you're creating time frames versus selecting them by name from a list. Uh, do not create overlapping blackout policies that that technically could be done, but it, you'll create confusion for yourself if you do that as well, so avoid doing that. Some notes on 
time frames and blackouts. The time frame for blackout policies is applied according to whatever time um, is on the machine, the machine time that the patrol agent is running on. Okay. Also, leverage blackout configuration in event management KM. Excuse me. Leverage blackout configuration in, in event management for KMs that do not support blackout policies. So there are some KMs that don't support blackout policies. Um, an example would be a, a, a non um, BBPM 9.5 um, compatible KM. I believe also it's been reported there are some issues with the remote monitoring KMs, meaning the operating system KMs, and, and handling blackouts appropriately. So if you run into an issue with that, you may need to use event management configuration to handle blackouts instead of the blackouts um, um, that apply to the patrol agent. And that's what blackout policies um, apply to. They, they fundamentally apply to patrol agent data collection and so forth. Let's talk about policy export import. There's a, a new policy export import utility that's been provided. Um, it's, it's now available and, and downloadable and so forth. Policy import export allows you to move policies from one CMA instance to another. So you can create your policies in development and test them and, all, and, and also test them in a test environment and then export them from test once they're validated and import them into production. Okay. Um, you can also use this export-import capability to export and import from and to the same CMA instance in order to create a copy of a policy. There's not a copy policy feature in the CMA GUI, so if you need to copy a policy, this is the way you can do it. You basically export it, and as you export it, you rename the policy. That's part of the export. That's an option. That's part of the export uh, process. And when you do that, it'll, it'll export the policy with a new name, and then you can import it right back in with that new name, and that will actually create a new policy. It's useful for creating copies like I've described here. Um, do not rename policies if you're not making a copy to edit. It doesn't make sense to rename a policy as you move it from test to production. So don't do that. It'll just con you'll end up confusing yourself. Policies are, dis are, are disabled during the export uh, process. What that means is, is, is the data that gets exported has the policy flagged as disabled so that when it gets imported, it's going to be imported in a disabled state. That's deliberate and by design because ultimately what we want you to do is run the import-export to get your, your trusted and validated policies into production and then manually go enable those policies in a controlled manner in production, okay? Like we talked about earlier in, in the process workflow and so forth. Um, only monitoring and blackout policies and time frames related to blackout policies and so forth will be exported and imported, okay? Um, integration service and or cluster configuration details entered in the agent configuration section under the monitoring policies are not included in the export-import. And that's deliberate and by design. Think about it. You, you don't want to export um, your integration service settings or any of those kinds of settings um, from a development and test environment into production because production has its own integration service nodes, or at least it certainly should. Okay? Otherwise, you're, you're not, if, if you don't do that, then you've got a commingled 
environment of um, production and, and uh, test and development, which is a, a pretty serious no-no. You're circumventing the whole purpose of, of development test if you do that. Policies based on KMs that are not in the target CMA repository will not be imported. So if you've um, imported your extended repository into development and test, and you haven't yet in, in imported the extended repository into production, and you have KMs configured in policies, and those KMs are in the extended repository, and you try to import them into production, they're not going to get imported. Okay? Staging policies and clusters are also not included. That just doesn't make sense to, to um, you know, move those kinds of things between um, development and test over into production. It's too dangerous to be doing that kind of thing. You don't want to do that. You, want to, you don't want to um, you know, move that kind of infrastructure type configuration out of dev and test over into production. You should also treat names as though they are case sensitive. So the name of time frames, as an example, um, are case sensitive. And, and you should treat them accordingly. Here's what the policy import export utility looks like. Basically, it's a command line utility. Um, when you run it, a file is created for each policy and time frame that is exported, and they'll have a, they'll have a, a, a file name extension on them that matches up to that. So the monitoring policies will all be named, you know, policy name, whatever it is, .mo. And for the blackout policies, they end with a file extension of .bo, and time frames are tf. Okay. Um, and when you run the utility, it's, it's really very simple. Uh, you basically run the utility. That's the command for it here. Um, you're doing an export in this case. So the, on, the, on the arguments for the command line, you put export. And dash D is for the directory where the policies will be exported to. And you've also, in this example, we've also um, decided to export all policies. And as you can see, it's, it's exported as a simple set of policies here. Um, you can also export an individual policy and import the individual policy if necessary. The import process, and I'll have an example of that in a slide here, but the import process um, works in a very similar manner. It basically reads the directory, reads the, the MO, BO, and TF files in the directory, um, and, and, and collects that data and imports it into the target CMA system. Okay? Policy import-export. Follow the same policy naming standards you established for the environment and use the, the CMA UI when you rename policies during an export to make copies. Okay? In other words, follow the naming convention that you're using uh, for the rest of the environment um, through the UI in addition to uh, the export-import process when you decide to rename a policy. Leverage the export import utility to move policies back and forth between uh, development, test, and production. Um, maintain the same policy names between development, test, and production. It doesn't make sense, again, to rename a policy when you're doing nothing more than moving it. Do not try to export and import a policy to make a copy without renaming the policy when you export it. Okay? Do not rename policies when you use the export import utility when you're just doing the move. Okay, so we'll wrap up with some general tips and recommendations here. There is no merge for agent rules in CMA. So 
In PCM, if you're familiar with that, there was a merge capability where you could merge rules to, together. In other words, merge the values from uh, one rule into another as you're um, deploying a, or, or defining a rule, um, applying a rule rather to a patrol agent. That feature and capability is not built into CMA. The patrol agent version 9.5 default setting for um, loading only the preloaded KMs is set to yes. And if you load knowledge module that is not in the preloaded list with a patrol console, the patrol console will, will um, show that knowledge module as being disabled. Okay? So this is a new functionality and feature that's, that's built into 9.5 from a protection perspective. 9.5 patrol agents also support this concept of a customer overlay configuration. Okay? So it's an, it's an additional um, configuration file for agent configuration that resides in the lib directory of the agent um, directory structure. Okay? And it helps you manage alterations to the default, the, the config.default settings. Okay? The files are basically named whatever name it, you want it to be, whatever it's going to be, dot current, where name is, is whatever file name you, de you desire there. Okay? Any dot current config files that exist in the lib directory for the patrol agent are going to be read after config.default is read and before the pconfig database is read. Okay? So be aware of that functionality. Use caution with policies. They have global impact. Remember the scenario where you could disable a policy and that could actually enable old monitoring that you really didn't intend to, to enable. Um, Non-policy managed knowledge modules must be included in the preloaded knowledge module list, in other words, the, the, the preloaded KM list for the agent configuration, and that has to be managed outside CMA. So be aware of that. Ensure that only that load only preloaded KMs is set to true on all agents before adding the agents to BBPM. They will be by default with 9.5. If you're in an upgrade scenario, you need to make sure that your configuration settings are, are appropriate there. Do not propagate all agent dis disconnected events to IBRSD. The reasoning for this is you don't want to be cutting tickets when an agent disconnects from um, the, the BPPM server that has CMA installed in it and then connects over to um, the integration service node based on a staging policy. Um, into uh, the production BPPM server where it's going to be feeding data and so forth. There will always be an expected disc agent disconnect under that scenario. So you need to think about filtering the appropriate agent disconnect um, events and so forth and not just cutting tickets for all of them. Do not enable policies for production agents until they're tested. Do not change marked for delete timing within CMA um, for the BPPM servers that are also used for trending and so forth. Okay, so um, you, you can adjust marked for delete, the timing for that, um, in, in an environment where, think about the scenario where you've got a BPPM server that has CMA, that's hosting CMA, and that it, it's a, maybe it's a central server, that's, it's a high-level server, that's all it's really doing for you. And you're managing all your configuration and so forth through it. Um, when the agent get, connects in through the integration service node to that server, 
and gets its staging policy, it's going to be have a connection established into that BBPM server. Then when it disconnects and goes home to its its final integration service node for um, data and event propagation, then it's going to be marked for delete in the first server, in the CMA BBPM server. Okay? Um, and you can adjust that timing so that it, it maybe you set it for 30 minutes or something like that. We, we recommend actually setting, something, setting it for something like 30 minutes there, just so that you don't have a whole bunch of agents sitting there, quote, marked for delete, because you know they're going to be deleted. Okay? Um, if the, if the server is also monitoring and trending data, you would not want to adjust that marked for delete timing. So leave the marked for delete timing alone in that specific scenario. Uh, configuration for event integration and monitoring for availability parameters, do that first. Set those up first. You don't really have to, but we recommend that from an ordering perspective. Set marked for delete in um, the CMA central BBPM servers for 30 minutes to deal with agents that are temporarily in the BBPM server. That's what I was discussing earlier. You know they're going to temporarily be there. It's the central CMA server. They're going to connect in, and then they're going to leave and go to their home server. Um, so you can adjust that, that down to 30 minutes there to make, make it um, behave in a more sensible manner. Use the default setting for KPI mode for the BBPM server. That's not really a deviation from our previous best practices. You know, don't, don't go in and, and change it so that all of the um, data collection and, and so forth for all the parameters are running in a, um, in a state where we're, we're baselining all the parameters. We want to run in a KPI mode. If you need to make a parameter a KPI, then do so, but don't just do that globally for all the parameters. Use the most descriptive names available. I've hit on that quite a, quite a few times here. Do not increase the patrol agent buffer um, setting. By default, it's for 30 minutes. We recommend that you don't adjust that. That's the buffering of trended data and events when an agent can't talk to an integration service node. Um, and again, I'm going to leave you with this last really big warning here. Do not delete and or disable policies in production without considering the consequences. So think about that, that massive unintended data collection that could occur um, where I described the scenario with Windows services monitoring and, and potentially older configuration living in an agent that was upgraded. If you go in and delete the, the policy for that that you've configured for that or disable it um, under that scenario, you will have a massive amount of data sent up to the BBM server and end up getting into trouble there. So be very careful with the, the ability to, you know, very quickly delete and or disable policies that may have a far-reaching and broad impact. Um, configuration for event, I'm sorry, so, so, so basically how, how would you go about, um, how would you go about handling that scenario? Suppose you've got a situation in production where you need to disable or delete a policy, okay? There is a way to handle that, and what you want to do is create a new policy with a lower precedence number so that it will override the older policy, okay? And then after you have, have um, tested and validated the new policy, you can enable the new policy and then delete the old policy. So if you've got a situation in production where you need to make some adjustments and do some cleanup, um, and it's going to ultimately require that you delete an existing policy, this is one way to handle it 
and prevent this massive data collection that we've talked about here. Okay, so that's all I've got today um, for this session. Um, as usual, you can find the best practice information at the links displayed here, as well as the product documentation. Uh, there's more information out on BMC Communities, and again, we very much appreciate you attending this session. Apologize for this running over for so long, uh, but I hope that the, the, the content is valuable to you and that you find it useful. Um, thanks again. Cedric, back to you. All right, thanks, Hudson, and uh, thanks for everyone attending. Hope that you find uh, or found this information very valuable. We do know that uh, it's really good for folks to go back and review the content, so we'll make sure within the next couple of days to have the recording posted as well as the presentation, and we'll get to the Q&A a little bit thereafter. Uh, thank you all very much for taking the time out. Enjoy the rest of your uh, morning, day, evening, wherever you may be. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's webinar. Thank you for your participation.